0: Godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation not to be regretted. The sorrow of the world produces death. Godly sorrow with repentance brings forgiveness. Welcome to In the Bullpen, Up and Ready, a ministry of developing contenders. The call has come. You need to get up and ready now. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! Last week in An Up and Ready on Luke 17, verses 1-4, through we read about the vitally important biblical truth that as those who have been forgiven in Christ we are to be forgiving of our brothers and sisters who are also in Christ. In that context, I said that Satan seeks to divide and conquer households and households of faith, and that one of his schemes includes taking advantage of us when we refuse to forgive and comfort one another. My comment was based on this text, 2 Corinthians 2, verses 5-11. through But if any has caused sorrow... He has caused sorrow not to me, but in some degree, in order not to say too much, to all of you. Sufficient for such a one is this punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, so that, on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, such a one might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. For to this end also I wrote, so that I might put you to the test, whether you are obedient in all things. But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. I'm in the camp that believes Paul in this passage is referring back to the man he wrote about in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 5. The one who was practicing immorality of such a kind that it didn't even exist among the Gentiles. The man was guilty of incest. And Paul in 1 Corinthians told the church at Corinth to remove this man from their midst, to assemble together and deliver such one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. But he added, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Not to do what Paul commanded would be disobedient to the Lord and also would be unloving toward the man who had engaged in such wicked sin. But in our text in Second Corinthians, this man who repented was to be received back into the church. The same body of believers exhorted by Paul to excommunicate him is now exhorted to forgive him and comfort him to reaffirm their love for this man. Just as it is a sin when the church doesn't exercise biblical church discipline, church discipline which is done in love, with grace and mercy, and sometimes leads to excommunication, it is a sin when the church doesn't receive back the repentant one, the one who had been excommunicated. Like the excommunication, the welcoming back is done in love, with grace and mercy and also a very clear declaration of forgiveness, and a great desire to comfort the one who had been cast out. In verse 11 of our passage, we read that we do this so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan. If we refuse to do what is commanded by us in Scripture and in this passage, we open the door to Satan. We open the door for him to work his wiles, his schemes, and he is one who seeks to divide and destroy. Paul reminds us we are not ignorant of his schemes. This is what's written in the New Geneva Study Bible. Satan will win a victory if we either neglect church discipline entirely or if we attend to it but remain harsh and unforgiving when there has been a change of heart. So I say again, as I did last week in Luke 17, remember the commandment of Jesus Christ. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Get your eyes up, fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, and be ready to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him.